Hey, I'm excited about today because we get the opportunity to, um, to wrap up We Are The Church series that we've been in for the last, I guess, four weeks, where we've had the opportunity to, to sort of uh, repeat the vision and the direction that God has called us here at Chestnut Mountain Church and what our role is. And so as we finish up today, we've been looking at our, our mission statement and we've been looking at all the four pillars that hold that up. And my prayer has been is that you have heard our heart, but more importantly, that you have heard the Lord's heart through all of this. Because we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about his direction and his purpose. And if you haven't been with us, if this is your first time maybe this week, I would encourage you, if you wanna know what Chestnut Mountain Church is about, go back and listen um, to the last four weeks. Not so that you can hear me, because I can promise you that's nothing special, but that you can hear the direction that God has called us and what he is leading us to do in the life of this church and this body of believers. And so what we looked at last week was how we want to be a church who is focused more on our sending capacity than we are our seating capacity. Our fourth pillar was about sending disciples for Christ. And, and so that is why we have the mission statement that our job is to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Very simple to memorize, very simple um, to apply is the fact that God has called us to saturate the world with the good news. And so right quick, we're gonna make sure that you know it all. Is that as far as the vision statement goes, and the vision statement is that we are a community of believers who are found in Christ, established on Christ, making disciples of Christ, and sending disciples for Christ. Those four pillars that we just mentioned are what holds up our mission statement to saturate the world with the good news. But for most of us, we have a hard time stringing all of that thing together, right? It's pretty long. So I've got the Cliff Note version. How many of you remember Cliff Notes? Man, I, I owned every single one of them. So, four words, all right? Look, the first service did not even have to have me kick them off. I went one, two, three, and they started. So I'm gonna see who's the best class. All right, you ready? One, two, three. <sighs> Little weak. So now, if you were a, a cheater like me, I had cliff notes and I cheated. I'm just kidding. I've repented that was before the Lord. Um, let's try it one more time so that you can all know it and say it a little louder, please, because we have people at home online that wanna hear it as well. Okay, you ready? We got it. <laughs> we got one excited about it. We'll have to work on our rhythm though. We're a little bit off, but that's okay. We've got the four pillars, found, established, making, sending. But the one thing that I think we can all agree with that we've learned over the last, um, especially the last year, is that when we are obedient, God takes our obedience and combines it with his power and lives are changed. When our obedience combines with God's power, then lives are changed. And I believe with everything in me, as sure as I stand here, some three years ago when God allowed us to be a part of this family, Ephesians 3.20 is a verse that, that many of you know that we stayed a lot. And this was something that God gave us to cling to. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, 
according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory. Doesn't say to Chestnut Mountain Church. It doesn't say to a leader. It doesn't say to a specific group, but it says to him be the glory in the church, in the every, in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And so I think we can all admit and we can all look around us and we can see, especially since March, that God has exceeded our expectations, that God has done far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so as I was contemplating all that God is doing right now, all that God has done since March, he laid a passage of scripture on my heart is where we're going to land today. And I want you to turn to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter five. And just to sort of give the context before we read it, um, this is the Sermon on the Mount, which we also mentioned last week, where Jesus is, is preaching on the, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he's addressing his disciples. And look with me in verse 14 as to what Jesus is telling to these individual disciples. He says that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that we may see you in the good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. What's interesting is he is addressing individual disciples, but what happens when a group of individuals get together? If they all get together with one light that is the light living inside of them, we all know what happens when a lot of little lights are put together. It then becomes a very big light, a very influential light, a very, a very influential group of people. And so as we look around this room, yes, we're all individuals, but there is a light living inside of each and every single one of us that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what God wants to do is unite this room of believers to where we are influencing our community by the light combined in within all of us to make that light brighter. And so he, I love how he says that you are a city on a hill. They could relate to this because the city on a hill in, ancient, in, in, in this day and age, the ancient cities were placed on the side of hills so that people could look upon the hillside and they could see these cities that were illuminated on the hillside. And we read, that about, read about that in Psalms 21. I want you to flip there just real quick. We're not gonna spend a lot of time here. But in Psalms 121, this is a passage that a lot of us are probably familiar. You've heard it um, read, you've heard it sang about, but in verses one and two, the psalmist writes, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Why this is important in this context of the city on a hill is because what the psalmist knew is that when people were in distress, when they were in a moment of, of desperation, they were needing help, they were needing a safe place, they were needing a refuge, it said that they would look upon the hill trying to find hope and what they would see is a city that was lit. What was interesting is what that city represented or what that city was, it was the city of Jerusalem that he's actually writing about. Why that is important is because this is where the temple of the Lord was built. 
And so what the people are doing, no matter the darkness they're in, no matter the trial they're in, no matter what they're walking through in life, when they needed hope, when they needed refuge, they looked upon the hillside and they saw the presence of God that was represented in the temple. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for the city that is around us so that they can look in the direction of Chestnut Mountain Church, no matter what trial they're walking through, no matter what dark season they're walking through, and that they can pick it out by the light that is living in us. Not that they're drawn to the name of Chestnut Mountain Church, but they are drawn to the presence of God that resides here. And that they resides within you and resides within the people who we are sending out every single week. And so I know a lot of you that follow us on social media, you saw just probably a month ago that we celebrated 128 years that Chestnut Mountain Church has been that city on a hill. 128 years God has been using the corner of Chestnut Mountain Circle and Strickland Road to be the light in this community. And so we, we celebrate that today. And what a better way to celebrate the fact that we're ending this series called We Are the Church. We're seen, we've heard and seen the direction that God is calling us. But what I want us to do just a moment, I've invited Tim Tipton, our executive pastor, to come out this morning and just sort of share with you and share with me again, because I love to hear it. But just what happened here 128 years ago that sparked a light that is still burning and influencing this community. So y'all give Tim a round of applause. Now look, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, Tim was not here 128 years ago. He may have looked like it when he walked out here, but he's not that old, okay? But Tim knows the history. He knows what God has been doing. He has been through the season here and seeing what God is doing. So Tim, can you share with us sort of the impact and where it all began? Yeah, um, there, there may be some people in the room that know the history better than, than I do because I've only been here uh, since the mid-80s. I came uh, every now and then in the 80s, and then I, I walked in with my new wife and in about 1990 and have been here ever since. But yeah, 1892, a long time ago, um, a guy named William Floyd Tanner that you mentioned sometime back donated the property that is right here beside us. And it was valued at $200 at the time. And I'm, I'm assuming that was probably a lot of money in 1892. And they started out building a little white church on the parking lot behind the chapel, right there where the graveyard's at, and it faced Strickland Road. And when Paul and I came in the early 90s, I found myself, you know, serving in children's ministry, and then all of a sudden I'm out front greeting uh, people, and I, I got to talking to a couple of men out there one night, um, one morning. Uh, one of them's name was W.N. Oliver, and Oliver Road over here is named for him. And another one was B.H. Farmer. And they've all passed away now, but they were telling me they could remember coming here as boys. And uh, the little white church, there was a place to tie up the horses beside the church on the outside. That's where Tim tied his up when he rode in. Yeah. <laughs> and they, B.H. talked about on the inside was 
a wagon wheel like thing with lanterns on it and the ropes lowered down and they lit the lit the lamps and pulled them back up and and that little church stayed there until 1959 and then the chapel was built not like the chapel you see today it was just the chapel where the stained glass windows are at and in 1971 the educational part of the chapel was added on and uh, that gave us that three story and, and kind of what we see today over there and for many 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 years uh, the church was you know a couple of hundred people for decades and in the mid 80s there was a pastor here and, and by the way no pastor going back and looking at the records we can find no pastor that had ever been here longer than seven years uh, until our last pastor who was here 20 years. He'd been here almost three times longer than any pastor in history that we know of. Um, but in the mid-80s, this property where we're sitting right now, somebody approached the, the pastor at that time and said, hey, uh, is the church interested in buying this property? And he got to praying about it and thinking about it, and, and they had no need for the property. You know, they had plenty of room for what they had attending here, but God laid on his heart, you know, we, we should try to buy this property. And he, he didn't know why. He's just being obedient. And so he, he, he pitches it to the church, and this, this little group says, yeah, we, we should buy that property. Even though they didn't need it, they, they bought the property. And so then... The early 90s come and a young pastor comes in and the church begins to explode in, in growth. Uh, we, we've just got the chapel over there and, and I can remember uh, we were completely out of room for children. We were completely out of room. I can remember being in a small group and if you've ever been in those rooms over there, the rooms were so small, we were like all in a room and the, and the group leader would stand in the hallway and talk into the room. That's the kind of crowd I'm talking about. We had three services. You know, the first one was like at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> and we were, we didn't have parking. We didn't have any of that. So fortunately, we had this property beside us right here that a group decided to buy that they didn't need. And the plans were started making to build this building. And so this room is in, in lobby was about 15,000 square feet and another 15,000 below us, 30,000 square feet. It was about a $3 million project, I believe. And in 1996, we're in the middle of construction and uh, the pastor resigned and about half the church went with him. And, and before that time, you're talking about a city on a hill, we, we started doing a thing called Judgment House. Was anybody here for Judgment House? Remember hearing about it? Uh, that pastor that, he was a lot like you, Brian. He, he, he had a way of casting a vision to get everybody involved. And, you know, now we're sending people out and people are putting their yes on the table. And this, he, everybody got involved in Judgment House. It didn't matter the age uh, if you were old enough, you did something from parking to cooking to acting and you took people through and, and the whole goal of Judgment House was we're trying to figure out what, how do you get people to come to church 
that won't go to church. So we created this thing called Judgment House that people could bring people to. I rode a van here from my church when I was 13. Yeah. So we, 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 wrote, the, we wrote the scripts, and you, you, it was basically carrying groups from scene to scene, and you just it was going through life. We had a car accident where somebody lost their life. We had a, fire, a house fire. We had uh, a rapture one year. It was on the, the theme of the rapture, and, and the church invested a lot of their budget into this outreach of getting lost people to, to meet Jesus. And the year we did the rapture, we, we went to Las Vegas and uh, had somebody who had a contact with a magician, and we had a mirror that was brought in, very expensive mirror. You threw light on it, and it became reflective. So we had a little lady that was behind the glass, and she was talking to somebody in the family. Light hits it. It becomes a mirror. She's gone. And over here in the mirror is the chair and the clothes that she had on. And, and this lady literally disappeared right in front of you. And I was a tour guide. And seeing the reaction of people's face, seeing somebody disappear right in front of them was, I'll never forget it. It was so fun to carry people through and see that. And I didn't know this. We were talking about it in a small group, but... A guy in my small group, his parents were here from New York, and uh, he brought them to Judgment House. And his dad sees this scene, and he starts crying. He goes on through Judgment House. He gets to the salvation area, and he prays to receive Christ. They moved here. They've been going to this church now for 24 years. And there's a lot of stories like that of people not only that came to faith in Christ, but later became in ministry, you know. And, and uh, so it's a, it was a special time. But anyway, in 1996, the pastor leaves. We're in the middle of construction. Half the church goes with him to start a new church. And I'm going to be honest with you, Wachovia thought this place might become Wachovia Baptist Church. <laughs> they really did. But... There were a bunch of people here who were obedient. And mm. with God, with, when, when we're obedient, God's power shows up. Mm. So we get an interim pastor uh, that first Sunday. And on uh, Wednesday night, the pastor resigned. And, and on Thursday, the worship pastor comes in and he said, Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody I'm leaving Sunday. I'm going to go help him with the new church. And the interim pastor had to make a first big decision right there. And he said, no, you can probably just go ahead and go now. We'll figure out Sunday. And so he called around and he said, hey, we got to find somebody to sing. And uh, John Tankersley was here at that time. And John got his son, Neil, who had never play, played in public with anybody, uh, who learned to play by ear. And, and Neil played the keyboard or piano that morning and fell in love with it. And Neil went on to North Point and became part of North Point and leading the camps down in Panama City at Big Stuff. Neil now plays keyboards for Luke Combs in Nashville. <laughs> First time he ever played public was in that chapel over there on a Sunday mm. morning when we didn't have a worship leader. His obedience and God's power. Yeah. And so somebody got saved that morning, that first Sunday morning. And we began to grow again. 
and all of a sudden we get to the early 2000s and we're out of parking. We're parking people at Chestnut Mountain Elementary School, the World Language Academy now. We're busing them over here. We've got no children's space. We've got no adult space. And we begin to plan what's behind us back here. And I got a video I, I want you guys to see. This will take us back to probably around 2003 when, uh, when this was all happening. And there's probably some people in this room that were children at that time. I know we got one in the tech booth. He was probably 13. And there's another one I see back there. He was two. <laughs> and these guys are serving God faithfully now because they met him here. Yeah. Their obedience, his power. Yeah. Watch yeah. the video.
Exciting day. $11 million, 250 families. None of us were scared. A lot of y'all wasn't here. The reason we did that was for you guys, for who was coming, for who else's life was going to be changed. You saw the old baptistry in that first photo. That was across the road where our dumpster sits. It's always been about trying to bring people to Jesus for 128 years. Seasons come, seasons go, faces change, faces go. But this is a special place. And I'm just humbled yeah. to have been a part yeah. of it. Yeah. I want to ask a question right quick. Um, you know, you heard the mention of the white building that was facing Strickland um, the very first. I wonder, is there anybody that would have been here when that, was, when that was the church? Is there anybody? If that's you, stand up and stay standing. Wow. Praise the Lord. Good. Keep standing. Hey, yes, give them a hand. I wonder if anybody, even at home, I know we've still got a lot watching online. If that was you, if you were here when the white building was here, comment under there, say, I was there. But maybe, Miss Gail, stand up. <laughs> Mr. Cooper, look, he done sit down too. I wonder if anybody was here when the, when the brick building, when the chapel itself was built. If you were here then, I want you to stand up. If you were part of Chestnut Mountain when the chapel was built. Keep standing. Anybody? Miss June. There's Miss June. There's Lawrence in the back. He just sees how quick his hand went up. Yeah. Hey, church, I want you to look at these faithful, faithful servants of the Lord. And I want y'all to give them a round of applause for their obedience combining with God's power. Because the reality behind this, the reason that I want to applaud them, the reason that I want to thank them is because now as a father, because of their obedience, Brock, Andy, Cooper, Deacon, my four children now have a place to grow in the Lord. My children have a place to grow in the Lord. And so just to repeat what Tim said, the reason that we celebrate today is because of all of this obedience has given each of you. I look and I see the few that were here when it was the white building, the few that were here when it was the brick building. Look around, the large majority was not here. But it's because of them that you are here now. And so if you get an opportunity today, shake their hands or kick their ankles or fist bump, whatever we're doing now, but say thank you. Because they have provided you an opportunity that we have a place to come and worship our Lord and Savior every single week. And so, you know, as we were looking at today, as we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we put the exclamation point on this series, We Are the Church. And, you know, we always say that we here in our society that we want to be a part of leaving a legacy. 
that I wanna be a part of leaving a legacy. My heart's desire, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, what, what do you wanna do? I wanna leave a legacy for Chestnut Mountain Church. I wanna leave a legacy for my children. Well, we always say that, but do we really know what legacy is? So I look up the definition of legacy and legacy is leaving behind money or personal property. Well, hello, I ain't got hardly any of that to leave. So I was like, man, I'm gonna have to back up and punt on that one. But what God began to speak into my heart was this. Brian, what if the heart of, of Chestnut Mountain Church came to something other than, instead of leaving a legacy, let's leave opportunity. Let's leave an opportunity for our children and for our children's children to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. What if we left them with an opportunity? And you know, last week we talked about, we kind of drew the picture of the Sea of Galilee being fed by the Jordan River. And then the Jordan River exited the Sea of Galilee and it traveled 75 miles south to the Dead Sea. The difference in the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea was the fact that what was feeding it, the Sea of Galilee was letting go of it, was releasing it. And so that's why the Sea of Galilee flourished. That's why its economy was booming. That's why the cities around it were booming is because they were letting go of what was giving it life. But the Dead Sea was so self-absorbed that it focused about everything coming in and trying to figure out how it could just retain it. And so we even know that if you even research it today that the Dead Sea is dying. The reason that it's dying is not because of what is feeding it, but because of what it's doing with what's feeding it. And it's doing nothing with it. And this is how we challenged you that we wanna be a church that sends disciples of Christ, which is our last pillar. It's because we want to take what God is sending here and we want to be sending it out. And when we're taking in what God is giving us and we're sending it out, this is what brings life. This is what grows a community. This is what grows the kingdom of God is when we are letting go of what God is entrusting us with. And so unlike the Dead Sea, we don't wanna be that church that just worries about surviving. That we've gotta hold on to everything God is giving just so that we can stay afloat. But I believe as God sins, we're to let go. And as we let go, instead of just surviving, we're gonna be thriving. We're gonna be making the name of Jesus famous. And so what I'm gonna mention next is something, and I'll just be completely transparent. It is awkward for me. I don't like talking about it, but the reality is God's laid it on our heart. And so guess what? We gotta go there. What God shifted my thoughts this week is that when we talk about sending disciples, when we talk about God sending people here and us being open-handed with the very resources that God has given us, what if we had that same perspective when it comes to finances, when it comes to money, when it comes to what God is blessing us with? You know, your obedience in that area has absolutely blown me away. I shared just a several weeks ago that, you know, back in March, when we thought the whole world was gonna shut down, we all sat in the office going, what are we gonna do if people stop coming? 
What are we going to do if people stop giving? But what happened was you got even more obedient. And it combined with God's power. And what God has done during the middle of a shutdown is he has expanded our ministry beyond our thoughts or even our dreams of what we could be doing. That is something only God can do. In the season of COVID-19, I can honestly say that this would be a year that we all in some way, shape or form wanna look back on 2020 and we wanna forget it. But I can honestly stand before you today and I can say that 2020 will be a year that I never forget because I saw God move in ways that I didn't think was possible. And what I mean by saying that is this, that in the season of this COVID-19, he has increased our ministry opportunity. First and foremost, we've been able to take care of the commitment that God has, that we have in order to keep this facility going. We've been able to make our, our, monthly, our monthly commitments. We've also been able to make our one time a year commitment. I think this year was $240,000. You didn't hear it mentioned. We wrote a check for $240,000 to take care of this building. That's something only God can do. We didn't have to beg, we didn't have to plead, but because you were obedient. So all of that was taken care of. Then not to mention that in every ministry area, we were able to increase our support. We were able to increase support to RU4 Ministries, who is our international missions partner. We were able to increase and launch local ministries. We were able to increase what we support FCA, which FCA, we're putting missionaries in our public schools every single day. We were able to increase all of that. We were able to, to, to go back, thank goodness, last Saturday on Go Weekend and get back in our community and doing block parties. You know, a story from there is we were doing block parties with the trunk or treats. We were going out and serving our community. We were able to partner with a, with a local elementary school, Lyman Hall. You've heard us mention it many times. And I think the team had to go and spread 150 bells of pine straw. I heard somebody go, yes, we did. <laughs> but all in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> but the sweet part of that is you think, well, it's just pine straw. No, the beauty in that is that the principal of the school stayed up all night because he had no idea. He was thankful for the help of us coming to spread it. But because of, of the situation at that school, they don't have a, a PTO to raise funds. They don't have all the resources that a lot of these other elementary schools have. And so he stayed up wondering how in the world are we gonna pay for 150 bells of pine straw? Guess what? He didn't have to. You were able to. You did that because of your obedience. And guess what it did? It brought him to tears because he saw us. And you say, well, Brian, what's, what's pine straw gotta do with Jesus? Can I tell you that it's us simply knocking on the door and now we have an opportunity to share Jesus. Now we have trust, we have relationships. And so this is why we do these type things is because of these sin Sundays. We take families from, from the Budgetel Inn that are in temporary housing and we've, we've helped them get into permanent housing. We've been able to launch a ministry, celebrate recovery. It's taking place. Look, we've got some testimony in here of CR. Yes, we do. 
and what God is doing in that ministry. But all of this is in the season of the church being shut down. Because of your obedience, our ministry has expanded beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. And look, I could stand up and continue. I mean, we partnered with a local church on the other side of town. And we now, we send a team over there every Sunday evening to where they'll be holding a service tonight at five o'clock, seeing lives changed through City Church. And so we continue, our food pantry is gonna open one day a week now. We've got teams that we send over to Good News at Noon every Monday night where they're sharing the gospel. But all of this has happened in the season of the church being shut down. Because of your obedience, it's combined with God's power and we are getting to see the Sea of Galilee lived out. We are letting go with what God is providing us. And so as we think about that, I want you to just wrap your minds around something for just a moment. And like I said, this is a stretch for me, but I'm excited to sort of share with you and open your eyes as to the opportunity that's in front of us. As I mentioned a moment ago, we have a facility that God has given us, an absolutely beautiful campus. But if we take what we pay each month in interest and we take the principal reduction payment that we pay once a year, we are spending, or investing rather, $36,000 a month to take care of this building. Where my mind goes, church, how much saturation could we do with $36,000 a month? I sat right here Monday night at an RU4 celebration. And as Dwight got up and shared something that has been laid on his heart, he flashed across the screen. 30 orphans in India right now, as we're sitting right here worshiping together, we're celebrating what God's doing here. Right now on the other side of the world, there are 30 orphans from the ages of two years old to the ages of 17 that have lost both of their parents to COVID-19. And guess what they need? They need you and they need me. And so we're looking for opportunities to how we can take care of these, these orphans. They are labeled COVID orphans. And so I sat right there and Dwight's going, we need help. And you better believe everything in me, I'm going, just give us all of them. But that's not my place right now. We're not in a position to say, give us all of them. But what God burdened me with this week is what if three years from now, what if four years from now, when we do our budget, what if we are letting go of more money that we're keeping here to operate? Because here's what I'm gonna tell you. When we talk about this kind of stuff this morning, it's not so that salaries can go up. It's not so that buildings can get bigger, but it's so that instead of building up, we're gonna build out and we're gonna send more. That is why we do what we do. That is why we're, we're, we're talking about this today. Is because can you imagine what $36,000 a month could do? We go over to the Budgetel Inn right now and say, we're gonna give them all housing. We're gonna put them all in a house. Because when our obedience combines with this power, lives are changed. So you say, well, how in the world 
Do we get rid of something like that? I'm going to let Tim share with you what God woke him up in the middle of the night with. So we, yeah, so I told you a little bit of history about the church and, you know, the pastor leaving in the middle of construction of this. And, and then we tackled an $11 million project. And one of the guys on the shovel there uh, that was throwing the dirt, he, he, he had walked into the church uh, sometime in the early 2000s and uh, the, the idea of expanding the campus was thrown out there and he walks down front here and he said, hey, I work for a guy that has a grading company. We, we do malls all over Georgia, all over the country and uh, I'm going to talk to him and see if we might could donate some of the grading and uh, everywhere we turned in praying for this project, we got a green light. We had a young lady here who worked for SunTrust in the construction loan department, and she got us a really sweet construction loan. Then a guy walks up with the grading. Guess what? Yeah, his owner, the owner of the company, he was all on board. $995,000 donation of the grading. All we had to do was pay for the fuel. It's green light, green light, green light. Then we come to finalize our loan and, and we get a bank that's moved into Georgia and they're really wanting to get commercial loans and we got one of the best deals that you could possibly get. And in 2009, the world changed. The economy crashed. And we're sitting here with, we built this and the economy's crashed. You think that caught God off guard? No. You think it caught him off guard when we were building this and the pastor got laid on his heart to start a new church? No. But people remain faithful. And you, when you combine that obedience with that power, he's delivered time mm. after time yeah. over 128 years. And nobody, no man can do that. Yeah. Only God can. Yeah. So March 9th, before the pandemic even happened, I'm, I'm woke up in the middle of the night about 3 o'clock. My mind is just racing, and I didn't know what to do, but God was just all over me. So I go to the living room, I get in the floor, and I start praying, I start worshiping, and I start, you know, God, what? My mind's just racing about the building, it's racing about the debt for no reason. There's nothing going on that for anything to wake me up about this. And so I, I go back to bed, and this number of 25 keeps coming to my head, and so I'm sitting there thinking 25, and I start multiplying $25 a week. Somebody, if you got a smartphone, pull out a calculator and multiply $25 times 52 weeks, and you come up with $1,300. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, we got out of a building campaign. If you don't know what that is, that's where you make a pledge over three years. That's what those stakes in the ground were. And uh, people were making commitments over a three-year period, and we've been out of one since for a couple of years now. And uh, but and I com completed mine, but God's telling me, you know, why, why did you stop? You know, what, why did you stop? You need to keep doing this. So, what's twenty-five times fifty-two? This is where you participate. <laughs> Some thirteen hundred dollars. And then the number 300 kept coming to my head. Now multiply 300, now multiply 300 times $1,300. What do you get? 
$390,000. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you mean to tell me 300 people giving $25 a week, which I spend, I spend that in eating out. I spend that, my kids spend it in Netflix. They, I mean, I got unlimited data on myself. There is so many things I spend $25 a week on. $25, all three of my children can afford $25 a week. You mean to tell me 300 people just giving $25 a week, $1,300 a year is $390,000. Now you put that with the 260 payment that we have to do in July, add 260 to it, what do you got, Greg? $650,000 principal payment. In July 2022, the loan comes due. So we have to pay it all or we have to refinance it. If we do 650 that second year, we've just paid $1.3 million on $3.8 million debt. Now we're ready to refinance. Banks, when you pay $1.2 million in 24 months, they're like, oh my gosh, we need to give them a loan. We look really attractive to them. We do that for, I think, 2023, 2024, 2025, guess what? The debt's over. It's done. It's our time, guys. I just need 300 people. I told this to my small group, and I told it to the staff. I had a staff member that jumped on, and, and, on, and on March 13th, Dream was on the 9th, on the 13th, I knew he was talking to me. And I went in and set up reoccurring $25 in the app so it does it every Friday, just like my power bill, just like my cable bill, just like all the stuff that I have. And I don't even know it. It just does it every week. That's the easiest way to do it. And I told my small group about it. Some of them jumped on. Uh, I got a text when I got off stage from the first service. A guy sent me a text that just set mine up for $25. A man walked up to me in the lobby. I've never seen this guy before in my life. <laughs> he handed me an envelope, and he said, here's a year's worth. Now, I'm scared to open it because I don't know if it's $1,300 or $390,000. <laughs> or $3.8 million. But if it's $390,000, he said a year's worth. Oh, well, well take care. If it's that much, I may not be here tomorrow. <laughs> I mean... I, I probably won't sleep all night. <laughs> so we may have 200, we may have 10 people that have followed the lead that the Lord led me on, and I'm looking for 290 more. Hmm. And that's one way to do it. Now, 3.8 million is another way. And if, <laughs> if, if anybody's got that laid on their heart, we can do that too. I'm, yeah, I'm good. But I'm telling you, when I walked in here in the 90s, mm -hmm. I never imagined that I'd be sitting right here spending the last 19 years on a staff. Mm -hmm. I never dreamed I'd ever work in a church. I thought I'd cut the lights off at the plant I worked in for 18 years when they closed it. God changes you. He'll change you. And our obedience with his power makes things happen that you cannot explain. Yeah. 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 Get in on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's your challenge. Get in on it. Yeah. 
You know, as we get uh, ready to close out this series that we are the church, you know, let me remind you that this community of believers here at Chestnut Mountain has been called to saturate the world with the good news. That's what we've been called to do. Because of the faithfulness of some of those saints that you saw standing up before the Lord and us just a moment ago, they've left for us opportunity. The question is, is will we leave opportunity for our children? Will we leave opportunity for our children's children? So how do, we, how do we respond? First, I want you to be reminded that 128 years ago, God lit a spark on this corner. Will you be a part of that spark burning brighter than it's ever burned before? God has been using this campus for 128 years. I wanna challenge you to do something in the next couple of weeks. As you ride around in this community, as you pass other churches, I just want you to look on Monday evenings, Tuesday evenings, Wednesday, Thursdays, Friday, Saturdays. As you look at a lot of the campuses that are around us, there's a many nights a week that you drive by and there's not a light on, there's not a soul in the parking lot. In most situations, there's usually never a night or an afternoon that you don't drive by this campus and the lights are on. That is because God is not finished here. That is because our best days are in front of us. That is because God has placed this city on a hill for hurting people, for lonely people, and we are praying with everything in us that they are drawn by the Holy Spirit not to be a part of a church name, but to be a part of the kingdom that's being built through your obedience. So how do you respond? How do I respond? You know, I know a lot of us, you, you may look at this morning and you may say that, well, all he's wanting is $25 a week. Yep, church is exactly what I thought it was. They just wanted my billfold. Can I tell you that has absolutely nothing to do? I'm gonna tell you right now, if God doesn't lead you to do it, don't do it. But as you are led by the Spirit of God, I'm just begging you to be obedient. Not because we need it, but because I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to see what God can do with your obedience. And so the way that the response is gonna take place this morning is sort of the vision that, that God laid on my heart is I just picture families praying together this morning. I picture husbands taking their wives by the hand and saying, what's our role in this? at $25 a week? Some of you may say, Brian, I, I don't even have $25 a week. Maybe it's 25 cents. 
your obedience combining with his power is going to change lives. Or maybe it's 3.8 million a week. I don't know. But maybe your response this morning is, is really where mine's at. Is there's nothing sweeter about a church family getting on their face before the Lord and saying, God, we can do nothing without you. So God, continue to keep your hand on this place. Continue to keep this light burning brighter than it's ever burned before. God, don't let us take a step without your anointing. Don't let us take a step without your direction. God, continue to guide us, continue to use us. And maybe that's your response this morning is just plead God for his presence to stay just tangible here. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're a testimony to a changed life because of obedient people here at Chestnut Mountain Church. You know, I got a text message yesterday morning. I was sitting in a deer stand and I've never wanted to shout so loud, but I heard something coming so I had to be quiet. <laughs> but I get a text message and it said, not gonna believe this, but if you've known me, if you've been some of those that were in my small group, there's a man that we prayed for for over a year named Chuck Henze. We shared the gospel with him. We prayed for him. During the season of COVID, he gave his life to Christ. The text message that I got on Saturday morning was from his bride, from his wife, who prayed for him. But because he's given his life to Christ, now we got a praying daddy. And can I tell you, a praying daddy changes a lot of things. Because their little boy named Jacob gave his life to Jesus Christ two weeks ago. And you say, well, yeah, praise God. You say, well, Brian, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? Your obedience combining with his power changes lives. This is a city on a hill. How bright is this light gonna shine? And so maybe this morning it's, Responding financially, maybe it's this morning, your family spreading out all around this room, just praying for God's hand to stay on this place. Or maybe it's just simply you on the altar right now with your hands raised saying, God, I thank you for this city on a hill. This city on a hill has changed my life. So how will you respond this morning? I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to be obedient as the spirit leads you today. God, I thank you. God, remind us today that, that we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that we may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. God, use our obedience today. Combine it with your power.
because God, we wanna see lives changed. So God, be with your people right now. God, speak loud and clear right now. God, stretch your people right now. God, call us to do things that make us uncomfortable right now. And God, we're gonna praise you with the results. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.